Hello, welcome to another episode of the Faultline Podcast, the audio companion to the weekly publication that analyzes events in the media and entertainment ecosystem. I'm Tommy Flanagan, and I'm just back from the Connected TV World Summit in London, which was a, a brilliant event, extremely busy, partly because they uh, oversubscribed, word has it, but an excellent event, lots of good panels, and I've, uh, in my post-event coverage, I've jested uh, that Connected TV World Summit might as well rebrand as the Android TV World Summit, you know, if there wasn't already an event of a similar name in Asia. Um, but that is because there, primarily there were lots of Android TV discussions, many panels, uh, representatives from Google there, and a single RDK focus panel of the entire conference. And it was no coincidence that this panel ended abruptly with a, oh, glance at the watch. Oh, sorry, would you look at that? No time for audience Q&A. When clearly there was a lot of people in the audience, including me, who had uh, questions for the RDK panel. And elsewhere, there were presentations from uh, Deutsche Telekom, you know, which had famously, or infamously, depending where you are, has recently announced that it's going to embrace Android TV and leave behind RDK, which... Oh, while previously it had, had a two-pronged strategy and had told me personally that it was going to continue with this kind of different horses for different courses approach along with Vodafone. So we knew we knew that was disingenuous um, from the beginning. It was always going to standardise on a single platform. So there was a, a presentation from Deutsche Telekom during the event which felt forcibly, you know, diluted in its platform agnosticism like someone had, had said to them beforehand look this isn't the android tv world summit don't make it about android tv but that was still the takeaway i got and there was another great panel on the opening day featuring nordic pay tv operator alenta and video ux developer 3ss alongside a swiss content security specialist nagra and uh, it turns out, um, unfortunately for Nagra, about two hours before this panel started, Alenta and 3SS had gone behind Nagra's back and announced a new 4K streaming dongle based on Google TV. And being based on Google TV, not Android TV, this means standardizing on components of the technology stack, including middleware and CAS. So, of course, for Nagra, that means being cut out of the equation with Google TV. And the, the conversation about the demise of CAS is one for a different day. That's not the only tool in Nagra's box, but it currently has no idea how to crack the Google TV box. How can companies like Nagra get into Google TV? And Alenta becomes the first operator in the EMEA region to deploy Google TV devices. And that follows on from the TV Vision Hub from T-Mobile US, and there's a unique case in South Korea with LG U Plus as well. But others will follow. We know that. And now it's time to introduce another guest. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to another guest feature on the Faultline podcast. I'm Tommy Flanagan. And this week I'm excited to welcome our debut doctor into the studio. Or should I say TARDIS? We're joined by an executive with over 20 years of experience in technology, someone pioneering streaming software, front-end user experiences, and data analytics. It's Dr. Neil Foster, CEO at 24i, the TV app development specialist. So dialing in all the way from uh, Amsterdam, I believe. How are you today, Dr. Foster? 
Oh, it's excellent. I'm very happy to be in Amsterdam. I'm, my mother's from Holland, so I, I'm half Dutch. I've got a Dutch passport, so I'm very excited to be in Holland. So um, I I want to start by remembering a being at a, a 24i drinks event high up in a uh, in a hotel in Las Vegas, NAB last year, and I, I asked someone if uh, if Neil was around, uh, and they responded with a sort of deadpan, um, "I think you mean Doctor Foster," and I was a bit like, oh, really? Have I done something wrong? And of course, it turns out they were joking uh, in reference, you know, to the British TV series of the same name, which is something you probably get all the time, but it's something that's stuck now. So I do struggle to <laughs> not call you anything else now other than Dr. Foster, I'm afraid. It has become a bit of a, um, yeah, a little joke, yeah. uh, especially with Dr. Foster went to Leicester and fell in a puddle of rain. It's an old ch- children's fairy tales i'm sure you've heard of it <laughs> mm-hmm. so you're not wielding the axe now as ceo and forcing people to call you dr foster no 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 it's, it's completely irrelevant <laughs> now it was just enjoyable uh too too long ago <laughs> yeah but um you know on, on that note it turns out um you and i have something in, in common you know like me you're currently working in a field that is a thousand miles away from what you studied at university you know of course there are probably some transferable skills like mine but uh, according to a quick linkedin profile stalk you did your phd in helicopter digital control systems in the early 90s can you tell us a bit about how you made the hop from helicopters to tv well it was exciting at the time it was a lot of maths uh, i did a lot of h infinity control system design i i enjoyed making things work uh, and designing stuff um so I did a lot of engineering and I was a control, digital control systems, uh, I guess, an expert. Um, but it, it's just a fundamental thing. You want to make things work. You want to make see things happen. So um, actually, video streaming is a more practical version than a helicopter <laughs> of making things work and happen. The burning question is, can you fly a helicopter? No. Um, I've flown simulators. Uh, to be honest, I'd be a bit, if I'm really honest, I'd be a bit scared. Uh, if something happens to the tail rotor of a helicopter, it goes round and round in circles like a gyroscope and you're in trouble. Uh, I've actually, <laughs> I prefer planes because at least if something goes wrong, it's probably just going to drift down um, and plummet to a certain extent. But a helicopter has issues. So <laughs> I know too much yeah. about helicopters. <laughs> Yeah, now I've stumbled across this little tidbit of information. I think it's given me endless um, ammunition for anecdotes and, and metaphors and similes and future articles, I think. So, <laughs> I think you could probably predict a future headline. Well, the irony is I, I worked for British Aerospace for a few years as a control systems engineer, and I worked on missiles. And so whenever people say it's not rocket science, uh, I can actually make jokes about that one, which I, I prefer that joke. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> All right. Um, most people probably didn't uh, expect us to start off on that note, but um, back to business. Right. Congratulations on your one year uh, anniversary in the CEO hot seat, by the way, which has just come around. So we'll start off by asking how do the, tw- the past 12 months compared to previous CEO roles you've had? Is this, am I right in saying this is your third CEO? Role? Yes, yes, that's true. I mean, the longest one was an access um, where I sort of learned my tradecraft and learned many of the principles. I was at access for 12 and a half years. So, you know, that thoroughly was a, a training ground. Um, no, it's fantastic. I mean, I've been very lucky for 
20 years, 22 or 23 years uh, in the video video world, and it's obviously changed a lot. Started with you know IPTV, and it's wonderful to see it now. Uh, and I'm really lucky to be able to apply many of the things that I've learned into this uh, new uh, role. But many of the principles, um, you know, are fundamentally the same. So it's really good. And with uh, for those who who don't know, maybe new to 24i, 25 is the little sister company to Amino, which is under the Ethereum umbrella. And you know, it's quite easy to sort of label 24i as the sort of modern streaming software focused side, and Amino as the sort of pay TV legacy hardware side. But you know, your colleagues over at Amino are often keen to point out that. Amino has effectively been in streaming a long time and more importantly in the software a long time, not just hardware. So, I mean, do you see kind of some healthy competition between 24i and Amino as the two sisters? Yeah. It's literally it's literally like brother and sister or sister and brother. It's um, uh, Amino, and it is actually true. I mean, I, Amino was a customer of mine at, um, or of Access a very long time ago so i knew amino for years and they were truly were a pioneer at the time of iptv you know they're not a classic cable satellite type uh, box provider they truly were in the iptv so you know and they, they have device management software and they have a lot of software you know when it comes to rdk and hbbtv and those those levels um i actually 25 sits above in many ways, the uh, Amino stacks and uh, software technology. So it's incredibly complementary. You know, 24i is sort of higher up, connected to the um, SaaS models and the whole uh, billing systems and customer relationship management and CDN and CRM systems. So it's actually uh, fits together very nicely. So, and it's literally not a competitor. We have two types of different competitors and we have common customers um, you know, Uphone, Delta, many others, they're actually common customers. We, we sell independently because we've got different systems that we provide. So it's uh, it's very complimentary. It's, the, it's very simple. And it's not just a marketing statement. It is truly uh, very complimentary. Yep. Have there been instances where 24i has won business, you know, on the back of Amino's legacy or even vice versa? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I've only been here a year, yeah. so I mean potentially there's been something before but as far as i know um you know often the rfps and things that come out are very much you know either software or video streaming software and then a kind of more hardware orientated uh, software so normally there would be different departments and different groups uh, there are you know areas where we can work together but um, i would say that normally the the situations are very clear separated out okay going off piece slightly again now you know as is tradition with guests on the Faultline podcast i will take a, a little journey back in time through our extensive archive of technical articles and industry analysis stretching back over 20 years to try and pinpoint when and where our, our guests first appeared on the Faultline radar so, Dr. Foster, you made your editorial debut in June 2016 when I quoted you in a story about Access and Veramatrix opening up the humble HTML5 browser to full OTT capabilities. At the time, you were COO and VP Global Sales at Access Europe, part of the Japanese mobile browser pioneer. And it was then another six years until you would return in an article published just after NAB 2022 
following a very stimulating conversation we had, uh, we were talking at the time about your vision to kind of push the 24i team to think bigger, specifically about the filters content recommendations business becoming part of a more multifaceted churn focused analytics product we called it at the time bit of a mouthful um but with us in this conversation was uh the former ceo of the filter damien reed who became 24i's svp of data products now then um you assured me at the time that there were going to be no cuts on the cards you know following the acquisition and, and in fact that the data analytics team was expanding unfortunately just a couple of weeks ago we found out that damien has suddenly left 24i and i know this is the nature of consolidation and you know personally i can be guilty of looking too much into these things but damien's departure did seem very sudden and it seems sort of polarized almost to the conversation that we had in las vegas last year so i don't know can you explain a little bit about the decision for damien to leave and is this a sign of uh bigger structural changes to come maybe no no i mean um one of the reasons i was brought on was to provide you know continuing constant uh, focus, you know, uh, many people know that, you know, 24 hour was created after out of a number of different acquisitions. You know, it's fairly open subject that we've been constantly uh, making this a very, very focused company. You know, and it, none of the things that we talked about have changed. You know, we are extremely focused on the personalization, extremely focused on, you know, if we take a step back, the all of our, all the video service providers whether it's the big ones like Netflix, Disney, Amazon, etc., they're competing with each other. We're, you know, our customers are another set of those kind of uh, direct-to-consumer uh, content providers, broadcasters, and we're we've got to help them because uh, it's you know it's a classic battle of eyeballs, and you know it's even more extreme now. I think you know with OTT, got so many different devices, so much time, and you know, twenty-four I. Um, has to provide better and better solutions. And so we've been um, bringing the, the, the component parts of 24i from the um, history, and it includes the filter, you know, renamed 24iq. Um, we've been pulling that into 24i and keeping the technology and the components, but it's become part of the structure of 24i. So it's just a natural thing that we'd bring this all together in a stronger and stronger way it is the same as my vision for 24i and you know the leadership team as 24i is all about um, helping the end video streaming uh, providers um, have differentiation against their competition you know so you know at the end of the day i feel very strongly about um, personalization is an absolutely critical thing i probably told you my favorite anecdotes about I don't understand when I'm on Sky Sports or BT Sport that I get stuff for cricket and worldwide wrestling, all these other weird sports. I've never watched ever once. I'm a total football person, and that's all I care about. So I still don't understand why I get other sports and why it's not all Liverpool. I just want you know Liverpool's uh, you know training news, injury news. Uh, I, I want to see videos of that. I don't understand why I get other stuff. And then on Netflix, why do I get rom-coms? I never understand, you know, I want action stuff. Um, I think personalization, making it feel your service is a fundamental necessity and a way for differentiation. I go on many of these services and I don't understand why it's not targeted at me um, when I've got my own profile. And if it's on my mobile, 
Uh, I can understand when you're in a living room, it's a family situation where the profiles become family profile effectively, where it gets distorted. But, um, you know, going back to your question, I mean, really, the, the whole focus for 24 i um, is, and, and I've, I feel like after doing it 20 years, I've got uh, insights that I can bring of, you know, matching to the customer uh, problems that they have and trying to make sure we align the company with that. Yeah, so there hasn't been any sort of fallout about the vision of the filters assets inside um, 24 iq no? Oh, no, no, no. If anything, it's actually, it's got stronger and better because, um, we, you know, they've got some brilliant customers like MGM Plus and UK TV, some, you know, tier one fantastic customers. And the, their, their technology as a product is, you know, market leading. It's got AI in it. It's got seriously, you know, that's where it helps. I've got a mathematical background is I've actually talked to the senior data scientists and actually understand the algorithms that they use to, to create clustering and create all these different brilliant AI machine learning algorithms. Um, I probably understand too much about it. I have to separate it myself, but know that they're fully on board, um, every person in that, that team, and it's fully part of our standard products, and we sell it standalone as well. So it's fantastic. Uh, I'm just so committed to that personally, and the company's committed to it as a um, strategic and um, uh, product uh, stream. So it's um, it's got stronger and stronger. You'll see lots of announcements coming out over the next six months, year, that will reinforce that and make it uh, not just Neil's words, but actually seen uh, by evidence. It's uh, it's a wonderful set of technologies. Good. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've joked um, on numerous times before uh, in Faultline that, that we played Cupid in, in this deal originally because it was my interview oh. with Damien that brought the business to your attention. But <laughs> anyway, you know, you, you've already uh, alluded to this, but uh, the filters has uh, been, since been integrated into the 24 IQ managed service and that works with any uh, video streaming platform. Yeah. And, you know, the argument is that some of your biggest competitors don't have personalization at the heart of what they do, which is what the, the filter has, has given you and what you've been working on since the acquisition so have customers been receptive to that you you suggested already that's going to be announcements or a, a big point a sort of elephant in the room is that that's getting more difficult because more and more customers are looking to build these capabilities in-house to be honest it's uh, having seen and learned and i, I didn't realize uh, a year ago when i joined and i basically if i hadn't sat down with those data scientists and, and learned the detail and how the clustering, how the AI algorithms learn, how the whole uh, methodology works um, in practical detail, I wouldn't have realized that this kind of word recommendation, it's easy to do a kind of, you watch this, then you might like this. You, know, you watch Squid Game, you might like some Korean other program, but it's much harder to connect. You know, The classic one is just because you like uh, Star Wars, you should like Star Trek, which is to any person who likes science fiction knows that's complete rubbish. You know, there's a religion against, you know, either some people obviously like both, but there's religions from Star Wars fans not liking Star Trek and vice versa. It's, you know, you've got to be very careful with generalizations on, on consumer behavior. 
Um, the nice thing about what 24IQ do is they do it in an intrinsically cleverer way, the way they cluster everything and they put the algorithms to use. Um, and we really use the mathematical data sciences that, that's put in there. Um, and so it's very quick. We often do a lot of POCs, basically, where we take the metadata and we take the data and we've got partners also who will expand and tailor the metadata and they will basically create these wonderful sets of metadata and then we will apply all our algorithms on it and then the recommendations and personalization you get, you can just do an A-B test and you can just show very quickly, this is the recommendations if you did a kind of simple one and this is the one when you use real algorithms and then it, it's so obvious because you can see the engagement and that's what it's all about really. It's all about seeing the assets the video assets, the, the videos um, that, that the, the a video provider has and comparing, you know, what the recommendation is. And it's very quick to see that because it's very visual. You know, the nice thing about 24IQ um, is it's very visual. You can see straight away if you get uh, on that screen something that actually you would want to watch, you go, oh, so my engagement is increased. I'll spend, you know, three to four hours in an evening with that system rather than some other competitor that doesn't have that. So it's very, very clear, very quickly. So as well as um, sort of helping you compete better against the likes of 3SS, who we've already had on the podcast as a more sort of core competitor, traditional competitor, I suppose, it also now throws you into competing, presuming that you're still going to continue running the filter as a standalone business under 24IQ with the likes of Think Analytics, who have also been on the, the podcast and they're, They've wrapped up a huge chunk of the market. So how do you better compete with the the sort of thoroughbred recommendation engine and personalization providers? Well, you know, the, the race has only just started. I mean, uh, this this is a very youthful market. I mean, you know, when you when you talk about, I don't know, cable satellite, they would be classified as relatively mature markets. Uh, uh, they're reinventing themselves regularly, but when it comes to recommendations and personalization, I mean, it's so fresh and it's wonderful because um, you may say that uh, some of our competitors in like think, you know, they've got a position well done to them, but, you know, we're a humble company and we're, we've got a powerful machine and we're going to um, make sure that we, we, we do our competition uh, and compete well and run that race. And uh, I'm very excited because we do have, you know, we, when when we're sitting in situations with RFQs and RFPs and we're being evaluated technically, we have a fantastic solution, and I'm pretty sure it's the best in the in the market. Um, so I'm I'm very excited about it. I think there's nothing better, as you know, with my previous job um, at Access, I was in the browser wars. You know, we were up, Access still is in the browser wars against other browser companies, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that and. Uh, you know, I believe that we were coming out a winner. So I believe that we'll do it again. I mean, on, yeah, on one hand, do you think that some companies like Think Analytics have been around um, for ages and been doing an amazing job? And But on the other hand, that it was epitomised at um, Connected TV uh, World Summit in London last week. I'm listening to a presentation from an operator, sort of tier two, tier three, operator talking us through their personalisation strategy. And then at the end, they say... Oh, yeah, so we're thinking about integrating a recommendations engine. Sort of 
disbelief from the crowd. Like, what? What do you mean you don't already have one after everything you've just said? But, so that kind of is an example of the opportunities still at large because, yeah, a lot of companies haven't even started these journeys, really. So um, that said, um, you know, I, I'm going back to this uh, more kind of holistic churn-focused analytics and audience insights managed service that you promised, that um, was pegged for launch sometime in early 2023. I've scribbled down now. We're moving into Q2 2023 now. So has that launched? Because I haven't, haven't seen any press releases or uh, anything around that. Or is that the 24 IQ that you're talking about? Yeah, so we, we, we include the capability. Yeah, no, it's a good question, uh, Tommy. The, the, we include the capability in our standard product now. That's what's basically uh, developed. We are still working on some major um, developments on that, but we haven't completed those. So we will be adding those. But the basic stuff is already there. So we already provide to customers that. We just didn't think it was worth an announcement at this point or the last six months about that because um, it's not going to sort of, uh, we, we try to take a very real approach to everything rather than kind of hyping and marketing. I learned that. And luckily, my colleagues at 24 uh, and and the PR company, um, they, they also follow the principle that we should only announce stuff when it's real um, and not do what some companies do and just shout about it <laughs> and say it's on the roadmap. Um, so uh, you will see announcements on it, but... Um, we are just adding constant features into the standard product now. We basically there's the assumption of having a certain level of analytics in the product because customers want to be able to analyze what's going on, what's the user behavior. So it's kind of, I would say it's almost just an industry standard now that you have to include. And if you're not including, then you're making a mistake. But I think it's an industry standard now to include a basic level of analytics in that product. Yeah, table stakes and... Certain, yeah, level of, certain level of commoditization as well that comes yep. with that yeah so um back at ibc last year you know word on the ground was that 24i was uh, exploring investments in advertising and we kind of pondered at the time whether that might be organic r&d or potentially another acquisition to follow up the filter acquisition but as far as we can tell right now your ad portfolio only includes sort of configuring ad strategies within the backstage app management platform but i understand since then you've been working with clients on delivering content recommendations for fast channels um going back to what we were talking about can you tell us a little bit more about that angle because again announcements you haven't really officially announced anything about that yeah <laughs> again we've been work you know we're we're one of the companies that does does the real stuff in the background and then talks about it. We don't do the what some companies do and shout about it and then try to do it. Um, so, yeah, now I can. So one of the big subjects at IBC was fast. I mean, it was, you know, the free ad supported television. It was just massive. And we, in the background, we've been working really heavily on it. So uh, well, there's two angles on it. One is the AVOD um, feature to our products, which you're right, we have added that capability to our products. Um, but the big hyped up, trendy, but true in this case is the fast. I mean, it is really, truly going on now and quite exciting, I think. And, you know, as a heads up, we are working with Amagi on that. And uh, there will be more details later about that. Can't really say too much at the moment, but um, Amagi is a fantastic company and, um, uh, you know, a serious uh, um, serious player in the fast channels 
And so it's very exciting what we're doing with them technically. Okay, so no customers to speak of in the fast world yet, but potentially through Amagi. Well, I can't talk about it at the moment, but uh, uh, you know, watch this space and we'll be talking more and I'm sure we'll be talking to you about it. Brilliant. All right, okay. Um, sort of wrapping up towards the end uh, now, Neil, kind of how can you sort of best summarize for us what ultimately 24i is, is solving for video service providers? Now, I like that angle. Um, I, I've been reading a lot about Yuri um, Levine from uh, Waze, the founder of Waze, and I, he's just brought out a book, and he, I'm a bit of a fan of his, uh, how he created uh, Waze, and he focused on the problem rather than trying to create technical solutions. You know, his obviously Waze came from, um, you know, fundamental two problems of traffic jams, how quickly can you get somewhere, and then also speed cameras. So he had a very simple two-pronged, um, a proposition and he was up against you know Google and, and everybody and he's actually you know done a wonderful business and by focusing on problems and that's what we're doing I, I've really um, you know we feel really really happy that 24i is focusing on the problems um, that customers face and the industry faces you know making video streaming simple and easy there's so many devices you know if we go back in time to Cayman Satellite set a box you know, one device ultimately, then a TV. Now, you know, with all the Apple TV and the Roku and everything, there's so many different devices that making video streaming simple for often which are broadcasters and content creators not very technically aware, you know, with respect to them, they're focusing on content, making really beautiful, wonderful content, not technology. So making it simple, um, but then they're in competition for eyeballs, you know, there's too much direct to, to, to consumer content now. There's a real fight going on, not just with the big guys, you know, the Netflixes, Disney's, and Amazons, but all the others. So there's, you know, how do you help them? And it's all about engagement. It's all about personalization. It needs to feel like your service. And that has a technological element, which is why 24 IQ is important, but also fast channels with the um, uh, revenue sharing on the advertising is a wonderful model. So it's really, you know, um, making a flexible, beautiful user experience is just, you know, number one. So it's, I guess, to wrap it up would be to say making that service compelling, engaging, beautiful is the main focus. And it's uh, a very different focus from some companies that just want to see it as a technical solution. I think it's got to be wonderful and iconic uh, as a service. So I think that's our focus. And I hope that I'll be talking about it more often with you <laughs> about that kind of angle on it, because I think that's where it's got to go. Great. Nicely summarized. And what about the focus for NABs um, closing in fast? You mentioned that lots of announcements planned over the next six months, surely a couple um, up your sleeve for NAB. Yeah, you're going to see, I think, three announcements coming. Uh, so I can say that factually, because uh, will be discussed with you undoubtedly. I mean, it's a big show. I mean, NAB was brilliant last year um, because it was post-COVID and everybody was just desperate to see other people face-to-face. It was fantastic. This one, I think, will be a lot... I mean, last one was business-focused because people were so happy to see each other face-to-face. I think, you know, that this has expanded from what you might have called the traditional... Um, broadcaster elements. It's now uh, so many content providers and broadcaster elements that I think it's even more exciting, especially when you see all the different devices and the fast 
I think the, it's a melting pot of really exciting stuff. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to going there. Just had a great idea. You should uh, arrive by uh, helicopter. <laughs> I should do. I, I'm trying to get the uh, the guts to go and you know Death Valley and everything by helicopter. Uh, that's, I still haven't done that, so <laughs> I need to go there as well. Yeah, finishing uh, where we left off. <laughs> All right. Um, well. That's uh, all we've got time for today, I think. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Foster. As you said, hopefully be seeing you at NAB. Although, actually, that said, going, I, I do have a new policy going into NAB this year. I've already explained this to some of your colleagues. You know, it's born out of pure frustration and actually near-death experiences. So I'm sticking to the, the safe chaos of the Las Vegas <laughs> Convention Center this year. So that means no more running around, you know, like a headless chicken. Hotel hopping between meetings, you know, and then being late. That is presuming that you're, you're in another hotel suite uh, this year, aren't you? You're not in the convention centre. We are, but we we're also venturing out as well with partners, so we can see you on the show floor. Excellent. Well, yeah, hopefully see you there. All the best in your, your luxury uh, hotel suite entertaining clients. So um, where exactly can people find you if they're looking for, looking for a meeting at um, NEB? The win for winners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in the win. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another guest feature and then we'll be taking a little pause on podcasting duties because, as we said, we'll all be uh, flocking to Las Vegas. So see you then. Cheers again, Neil. Thanks very much. Enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks.